Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you, to see you in the room, to uh, imagine seeing you down the tubes over the ethernet, whatever. Uh, lovely to be here and welcome, especially those who, who are new. Will you indulge me just for one brief moment before I get into my message with um, perhaps a final proud husband's plug, if I might, uh, for this brilliant book by my brilliant wife, Hills, uh, known. Chaps, I know that you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet. I'm especially talking to the chaps. For the women in your life, at any age, at any stage, uh, this devotional, 365-day devotional on the theme of identity for women is already uh, selling well and getting good feedback. Not that it's particularly about a commercial thing, but I do want to add that um, all the proceeds from Hill's book are going out to uh, some of the poorest women on the planet in Burundi. You know we have a partnership with Simon Gilbo. There's a brilliant project there where women uh, in, in very, very difficult circumstances are being taught skills, especially sewing skills, and uh, sewing machines are being provided, and they're learning how to sew and create a small business and so on, and uh, get a sort of a, a foot up the ladder, as it were. So all the proceeds are going to women in that place. So I just commend it to you. It's worth far more than 8.99. The value in terms of life change is very significant. Hills is at the back. She's got some books there, or in the usual places online, uh, Amazon. She's got her website, known.me.uk, um, through St. Andrew's Bookshop. Plug over. Message received, I hope. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter. Uh, I install it, reinstall it, delete it. I'm currently reinstalled it. I'm currently on Twitter. Two things yesterday, two, two days ago, uh, literally two tweets in my feed uh, I saw just next to each other, and they captured my attention because of the theme that I've been asked to speak on this morning. Here's the first one. Thank you, Mr. Andrew Cotter, for giving us all so much joy in lockdown with your genius films of Olive and Mabel. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, you've missed the, the most brilliant viral sensation of the whole year as far as I'm concerned. I don't even like dogs. But um, uh, Andrew Cotter's a sports commentator and uh, he's provided commentary over his dogs, Olive and Mabel, doing stupid things. And it's really funny. Go on YouTube, check it out. They provided a lot of joy, even for somebody who doesn't like dogs. Second tweet, literally next to it in my feed, a bit more heavy from uh, Christian author, speaker Joyce Mayer. God is never going to put us in a situation or permit us to be in a circumstance without giving us the ability to be there with joy. Hmm, really? Wow, tough. Hashtag Joyce quote, hashtag choose joy. You know already the theme that I've been asked to speak about, this third of these great Advent themes. You came in, those of you who are here into the building earlier, you saw the, the lights and the trees and the, and the general kind of sense of Christmas decoration. Brilliantly well done to the team. You almost certainly noticed what's behind me here in great big letters spelled out for us, all very festive and lovely. And if you didn't notice it, you're noticing it now. And the, those of you at home, the camera's on it. You can see it. And while you just dwell a moment on that word, I'm going to hazard a guess that there were a few different reactions going on. Joy. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's that word that crops up at this time of year in this season, uh, in lights or in carols or on um, greetings cards. It's part of the Christmas scene along with the trees and uh, the tinsel and the turkey and the terrible TV programs. And to be honest, I haven't actually paid much attention to it, really. It's all just part of that flavor. But well done, Toby Gamston, now that I think about it, for making it look so kind of fashionably retro and cool and, you know, part of the Trinity scene. Or possibly your reaction was this, joy, really Tim, nice idea, 
very glad for the people who are currently joyful, but I'm not really, at least not at the moment. And joyful probably wouldn't be in my top 10 descriptions of myself right now. And uh, I don't know actually many others who are. And in 2020 of all years, with all that's been so kind of miserable and difficult, I'm pretty wary, Tim, of any kind of Christian cliche that implies that I'm supposed to be full of joy all the time, grinning lumps like some kind of uh, Cheshire cat on speed while my house burns down or the world blows up. Oh, praise God anyway, hallelujah. Don't do that sermon, Tim. I promise I won't. Uh, and I can be joyful when the sun's shining in my life, but don't expect me to be joyful when it's raining. And by the way, I wonder if it would have been interesting to have asked Toby to write the word misery there instead of joy. That would have got us thinking in a different way, wouldn't it? Maybe that's something of your reaction. Or possibly something like this, you process like this, joy, yes. And as a follower of Jesus, if that's how you describe yourself, that seems like quite an elusive thing to me. I know that it's good. I know that I'm supposed to have it. I know that it's more than superficial happiness, although surely... It must include laughing at Labradors, doing funny things. But it also can't be so deep, 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 deep down that it never shows its face. But how do you get it? And how do you keep it? And how do you grow it? And I know that that author, Joyce Mayer, if I've heard of her or not heard of her, I think she's onto something because I'm pretty sure that I know the Bible well enough to know that there's some scriptures that seem to say what she's saying, as crazy as it sounds, that joy is possible even in the midst of difficulty and trial and suffering and things that are hard. And I seem to recall at least something in the New Testament, that guy called James, didn't he start his letter by saying, consider it pure joy, pure joy. When you face trials and tests. And I think there's that geezer Paul. He was always banging on about rejoicing, being joyful always, thankful always, joyful always. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. He was the guy who was chained up with Silas in a pretty revolting prison. And yet they were joyfully singing hymns all night as they faced death. What's going on there? Was he in denial? Or is there something in this? Is it possible? What is this joy? Is it possible for me? Sure doesn't feel like it, at least not often. But would I like to be the kind of follower of Jesus who could be joyful even in prison, even facing death? Yeah, I would. I would like to be that kind of person. So is it just for the super mature saints? Is it just for the Pauls and the Jameses and, and that kind of crowd, special Bible folk? Is joy something to do with my personality? Is it a personality that I have? You either have it or don't. Some people are just kind of born in that, with that kind of temperament and, and some aren't. Is it, like Joyce suggests, something I can choose? Can I just choose joy? Is it a choice that I make? Like her hashtag says. Hashtag choose joy. Is it a gift that God gives to us or doesn't, depending on whether we ask for it or don't? Or is it something else? Is it something that I grow? Is it a fruit that grows within me? 
Well, there's a whole broad range of spectrums there. that you, you may have processed it differently. Maybe I haven't captured exactly what you were thinking or as you looked at their words, you thought about it, your own reaction to it, and so on. But I think that there's that kind of range. Whatever it is, we'll hope to make a bit of progress on that. We can agree on this. Whatever joy is, we like it. We really like it. We want it. We warm to it. We want more of it for ourselves. We want more of it for our family. We want more of it for our uh, friends. We want more of it for the world. Joy to the world. Sound familiar? Joy to the world. We want more joy in the world. We want more joy in our world. The world that surrounds us, we want more joy in our, in our inner, inner world. So how does it happen? How do you become a person of joy or more joy? Massive theme. Time is already short today, so I'm going to confine myself to two points. And if I've got time, I'll chuck out the rest as headlines. But just, just two things. You might want to take notes or follow this up as ever uh, through the week. We have that opportunity. I'll produce some notes and so on. Here's number one. Take joy seriously. Take joy seriously. C.S. Lewis, brilliant author, writer, said this. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Interesting kind of tweet. 500 references at least to joy in the Bible. Encouraging joy, commanding joy, describing joy, explaining that joy is part of what God wants for us and has for us, and nobody's to be left out. Joy is at the heart of God's plan for you and for me and for all humanity. Why? Because joy is at the heart of God himself in whose image we're made. Bible talks about a whole number of ways and places where God... Uh, God as the Father especially, his delight, his absolute delight, his joy in what he's made, in everything that he's made, his joy in who he's made, you and me. He's the source of all joy. God is the source of all joy. It's a cultural value of his kingdom. Here's Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God, that's wherever God is acknowledged as king. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's part of his culture. What surrounds him. Joy is then one of the, 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 the distinguishing marks of his people. Those who find themselves caught up in his kingdom. That's you, me, whatever our personalities are. So there was a cynic I read the other day. He wrote about this. He wrote this of the uh, church in this country. Put a pickled gherkin and a freshly cut lemon in your mouth and look in the mirror. That is the face that the British church so often presents to the world. I thought that was a bit harsh. <laughs> He's having a bad day, that man, at that moment. That's not true. But it is fair, isn't it, to reflect on the way to which, the extent to which we as the church, we as God's people, reflect the joy of God, reflect that in the world. It is appropriate to think about that and what kind of messages the world outside the church picks up, the 95%, if you like, that Andrew is referring to, picks up from God's people. And would joy be one of, that, one of our hallmarks? Some of you are thinking this, but hang on a minute, what about sorrow and sadness and suffering? Yeah, God, like no one else, understands sorrow and suffering. Yes, Jesus is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as are we to differing extents. And yes, by God's grace, we weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who who rejoice. But we need to get, get our heads around this. Sadness and sorrow are actually temporary responses to a broken and hurting and pain-filled world, while that world is, as, is in the condition that it is now. One day, the sadness and the sorrow and the pain will be banished forever, including in the heart of God, when everything is set right. His basic character is joy, and that remains. 
So Jesus shows us the heart of the Father. Don't be fooled. I hope we're not. I hope we're never fooled by different depictions and representations. So many down the years have been useless representations of the person of Jesus in this respect and many others. Some of us might remember the Robert Powell version of the film Jesus of Nazareth where he, he looked about as emotional as a plank of wood. Jesus is the most joyful person who has ever lived and ever walked the planet reflecting the joy of his father. And by the way, if you want to look at that more and read something a bit more uh, realistic, um, Beautiful Outlaw by John Eldridge or a book by Bruce Marciano called In the Footsteps of Jesus. Focus on the joy of Jesus, just how joyful he was and is. And we are to enjoy and reflect that joy in life. So there are some words that don't go together, friends. Hot ice cream. Soft granite. Joyless Christians. It's not an option. It matters. Take joy seriously. So it follows next, if we want to grow in joy, second point, that we focus on Jesus, not on joy. We focus on knowing Jesus, not specifically on growing joy. Here's John 15, verse 9. As, Jesus talking, as the Father has loved me, so in the same way that the Father loves me, in that way, I love you. Now remain, love that word, abide, dwell, linger, pause, stay, saturate yourself in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's and remain in his. And I've told you this so that my joy, the joy of Jesus, the most joyful person who's ever walked the earth, will be in you. And your joy will be what? Complete. Full. To the brim. To the point of overflowing. The joy that's in Jesus is to be in us. Right up to the brim, overflowing. That's what he's offering. And remember, John 15, this passage of teaching, how, how it begins. Remember with the incredible picture of the vine and the branches. Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and as you abide, as you remain, as you linger, as you dwell in me, in my presence, as we focus on him, as we walk with him, as we talk with him, as we grow in a relationship with him, as we share life with him, around him, him as the center of our being, the center of our day, the center of our activity, the center of our aspiration, as we learn to do that and do do that more and more and more, we bear fruit, he says. What's the fruit? It's becoming more like him. In his character, in his actions, in the things that he says, it's demonstrating the kingdom of God. It's proclaiming the kingdom of God. It's the things that he did and what he was like. That's the fruit. And Galatians, Galatians tells us a bit more. You remember this. Chapter 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that grows as we dwell with Jesus, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and the one that I missed, number two in the list, joy, grows. And this is the most important thing I want to say <clears throat> briefly. We really need to get this. Last week, uh, two, two weeks ago, Hills was talking uh, about the Bible's version of hope. Last week, Andrew was talking about the Bible's version of peace. And we need to understand, as they were saying, that they are totally and radically different from what a lot of people, let's call it the world, think of those things. The same is true of joy. So most people would imagine that joy is the reaction that we have to something good that happens, right? Sunshine, Labradors, 
if you like Labradors. Pay rise, getting engaged, whatever, whatever. In other words, it's dependent on external events and circumstances that happen. It's then the product of the human spirit and is natural. So it will come and go. Joy will come and go. That kind of joy will come and go, depending on those events and circumstances, as, as lovely as they are. And as lovely as they are, that kind of joy is not what Jesus is describing. This really matters. Biblical joy, Jesus' joy, is the fruit of God's Holy Spirit at work in me as I abide, dwell, linger with Jesus and in his word. So it's not an external. It's an internal quality then that grows as a response to my awareness of who he is and what he's done. That grows as a response to my awareness of I've been rescued by him. I've been forgiven by him. I've been called by him. I've been equipped by him. I've been given all manner of promises and gifts, provision by him. I'm loved without limit by him. And so it's not dependent on external events, whether it's sunny or raining or whether there are Labradors running around me, whether I'm in a palace or a prison. It's not dependent on that. It's not the product of the human spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me. And it's spiritual, supernatural, not natural. Can you see it? This is radically different, isn't it? This joy is different. It is a different kind of joy. This is the joy of Jesus, of God himself, worked into my life. And therefore, back to where Joyce helped us to begin. This is why joy can exist alongside pain without diminishing the reality of either. They're not opposites. Joy and sadness, in my view, are not opposites. In my view, the opposite of Christian joy is not sadness. It's more like bitterness or resentment, something like that. You can't be joyful and bitter, but you can be joyful even in the midst of great trial. Friends, this is good news. I don't know about you, my heart has lifted as I've re-engaged with this in, in, these, in these last few days. Stunningly good news. In fact, going further, the presence of pain and difficulty in life, as unwelcome as they are, nobody wants that and God doesn't send them, but is the most fertile soil for God to grow good things, including the fruit of joy as we trust him. So let's not waste pain. Lots of research to show that the most joyful Christians, maybe you can think of the most joyful Christian you know, chances are there's somebody who's been around suffering, who's been around pain. In fact, they definitely will have. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German believer during World War II, he was falsely jailed, eventually killed for his faith. It was said of him, found a quote about him, he spread an atmosphere of joy throughout the whole prison and profound gratitude for the mere fact that he was alive. Echoes of Paul in prison and other examples that you'll know. This kind of joy grows in those who have given their lives to something greater than their own personal happiness. And what is that thing that is greater than to which they've given themselves? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the kingdom of God. What did the angels say? The, this is good news of great 
Good news of great, great joy. Anticipated by the prophets, foretold by the scriptures, announced to the shepherds, as we'll hear a hundred times in the next week. Celebrated by the angels, welcomed by wise men, received into every humble, repentant heart, then and now. Good news of great joy. We're in a mess. We need saving. The Savior's here. We distance ourselves from God's love. We go our own way. We need forgiving and restoring. The restorer is here. The world is a very broken place. So many living in the darkness of sin and despair. The light of the world is here. So many lost sheep. So many enslaved by their own addiction to being the center of their own lives. Destined for a godless eternity in hell. The good shepherd is here. The Lord is here. King Jesus is here, the King of heaven. And he's come for you and he's come for me. And that is the reason, the reason for lasting joy of this kind. As the Father loves me, says Jesus, in the same way, I love you. Now remain in my love and my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete, full to overflowing. So two things. Take joy. How do we grow? Take joy seriously. It really matters. Focus on Jesus, not on joy. My time is up as I knew that it would be. I'm going to literally say four headlines because we do have the opportunity to uh, probe a little further, explore a bit further. I'll write some, some notes for the groups who are meeting this week. Here they are, just really quickly if you're taking notes. Live with the cross in view and the end in mind. Positive thinking is great, eternal thinking is better. That's why saints down the ages have been able to know this kind of joy, to live with the cross in view and the end in mind. We're an Advent people. We know the end of the story. Beware the joy stealer. The enemy's real, he's a thief, he'll try and steal our joy. We need to be alert and on our guard, John 10. Hang out with joy carriers. A lot of our time might be spent with Eeyores. We need to find some Tiggers too. That's not a verse in the Bible, but it's true. And cultivate gratitude. Thankfulness is the virtue that covers over so many others. And it's so linked to the heart of worship and the heart of being joyful. We can't choose joy, actually. You can't choose an emotion. But you can cho we can choose to position ourselves for joy. And thankfulness is one of those things that does that. So we're praying, aren't we, around these Advent themes of hope and peace and today joy. Massive, great doctrines, thoughts, words in lights, but so much more than that in the gift that they are from heaven to us. But we need to understand what they are and what they're not. And take, uh, pray that they take deeper root in our lives and then overflow to a world that knows actually rather little about what these things really are and who really gives them to us. So there's a wonderful prayer that brings them all together. And I'm going to ask you to stand in the room at home as well if you'd like to, just as we allow God's Spirit to land a few things. There is the most beautiful prayer that I'm going to speak over us. And as the band come up quietly, play behind, we're just going to dwell for a little while before Andrew and Nikki wrap this up. So here's Romans 15. Verse 13. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, all peace, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.